Dear members and welcome guests of St. John's, how would we ever survive without signs? There are signs everywhere. There are traffic signs, there are directional signs, there are advertisement signs, there are signs that prohibit certain behavior and certain wearing apparel. So many signs that the whole landscape begins to get cluttered and it's only going to get worse as the election time approaches, I assure you. Signs are helpful as long as you understand what they mean. A very dear friend of ours, newly arrived in Germany and not knowing a word of German, had to go to the bathroom. She was confronted by the signs, which one said H and the other said D. And she pondered that for a moment and in her Western mentality thought, well, the H must stand for hers. So she walked right into the men's bathroom. If you don't know German, H stands for heron, which means men, and D stands for domin, which means women. We tell that story every time we get together and still laugh about it. There are other kinds of significant, silent, unwritten signs as well. For example, when you suddenly notice that your spouse or your best friend isn't speaking to you. You ever have that happen? <laughs> you don't want to ignore that sign. <laughs> there is always that persistent pain that becomes apparent in your body that simply won't go away. There is the shortening of the daylight hours, which is a sign of the changing of the seasons. And in today's gospel, Jesus also refers to some meteorological signs about the change in the weather. And they are still so applicable today because that south wind has certainly brought in a scorching heat. However, there are, in our gospel and other lessons for today, we learn that there is a different and even more important sign. They present a contrast between those who can read and understand that sign and those who cannot or choose to ignore it. The result is an opposing view of reality, which causes division and ultimately leads to strife. One views reality through the 3D glasses of faith and faithfulness to God and patterns their life and posits their hopes in God. The other looks through the rose-colored glasses of self and patterns their life in connection with themselves. The view which one holds and the belief system one espouses depends on how you read the signs. Let's look today at what that means for each of us as we ask ourselves, how do I read the signs? Well, Jeremiah in our first lesson certainly read the signs differently. His world was vastly different from our own and yet strikingly similar. The once proud nations of King David and Solomon, which consisted of all the 12 tribes of Israel, had through 
uh, assaults and captures shrunk down geographically to two small little tribes called Judah or Judea. They lost all their prestige and power in the world. And so to fortify themselves, they made alliances with their stronger neighbors in the hopes that they would protect them. And feeling rather secure this way, they were able to predict that this was God's sign that peace would prosper and that safety and prosperity would continue. And just to make sure they had covered all their bases, they hauled in a bunch of foreign gods as well to honor and worship in order to protect them. Not so, says sign reader Jeremiah. These leaders, he says, fill you with false hopes. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. What a fantasy. Jeremiah says, it might be good to have more troops. It might be good to have stronger treaties, but that misses the sign. Your faith, my people, where it is posited, is currently misdirected and no longer is attached to faithfulness to the only God of the universe who can protect you. And if you can't read that sign, your doom is inevitable. And so it was. Within Jeremiah's lifetime, their country was overrun, their people were slaughtered, and others were hauled away into forced servitude by a new, faraway master. Fast forward now a few centuries to the world of Jesus in today's gospel. Now, another new, faraway master ruled with an iron hand. You had to be very careful how he walked around on eggshells, made sure you were politically correct in everything that you said in order to maintain the status quo. If peace can be described as the absence of war, there was peace. But beneath the surface, there was a boiling cauldron of division and discontent and intensifying desperation to find a sign, someone, who could throw off these oppressive sackles and bring peace. Many thought that Jesus was that someone. And so in today's gospel lesson, we hear Jesus reject that political role. Instead, he declares, I have come, I have a baptism to undergo, and I am constrained, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Here he's referring to the sign of his God-given upcoming suffering, his death and resurrection. But the result of that atoning death was to offer once again to all of God's fallen humanity the opportunity to again be restored into a covenant relationship with God. For his part, Jesus signed that contract with his own blood. 
And now he offers that to anyone who will accept what he has done for them in faith and co-sign in faith and faithfulness to God, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the division that is encountered because of it. There were scores of biblical witnesses in the Faith Hall of Fame that we hear in today's second lesson, this cloud of witnesses who underwent persecution and various kinds of things to endure and be faithful to their God. Even though they might not have realized it in their lifetime, their reward was assured. And elsewhere in Hebrews we read, these were all commanded for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? God is planning something even better for us who remain faithful to him. And so with the sign of the cross behind us and the sign of the crown in before us, we live each day in the perplexities of the various aspects of life that we encounter until we take our victory lap in that heavenly Olympic arena to the cheers of all those clouds of witnesses standing or sitting in the stands welcoming us. But we don't have to wait for that day. In addition to maintaining our faith in Jesus Christ and doing God's will, we can also use the example of our words and our life to help heal the divisions and ourselves become a sign to those who continue to disbelieve. I close with the example of the whirling dervishes. Perhaps a poor place because many of you probably have never heard of or seen the whirling dervishes, but they are truly something to behold. These Mideastern men that will go into a trance and just whirl around in quadrants in synchronization to the music so many times that it would make even a figure skater ill. But wasn't isn't apparent is that for them, this is a religious experience. They have trained themselves to be able to go into a trance, and if you watch them, their eyes sort of disappear in their heads as they begin to whirl around over and over and over. So what's my point? <laughs> the point is that as they whirl around, their arms are extended and their right arm is always higher than their left arm. And their right hand palm is always extended upward, and their left palm is extended downward, symbolizing that they are a sign receiving the blessings of God and the blessings they have gotten pass through them as a conduit and are given to the world. We could be that sign. 
The sign receiving the gifts of God is a conduit to give these gifts again to the world. And so on this unlucky or lucky 13th Sunday after Pentecost, just after the 13th day of August, may each of us become such a conduit, such a sign, to do whatever we can so that faith will prevail and that when that appointed time comes, we will be ready along with our fellow cloud of witnesses. Amen.